as I'm going through this message and I look at it, I can't ignore the fact that um, somewhere out there, lingering out there, is, is evil. And uh, so I wanted to talk to you about three types of evil, just briefly, um, that I know of. And one, uh, first of all, we know that God does not create evil, okay? Um, he's not the author of evil. And, uh, but one evil that's out there is natural evil. It's the natural causes that we see in our world today, um, such as wildfires, volcanoes, mudslides, tornadoes, uh, things of that sort. And the second type of evil that's out there is moral evil. We know that God's given us his moral law, and moral evil is just flat-out ugliness. It's, it's murder, it's theft, it's killing, it's destroying. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's moral evil. And the third type of evil that is out there is uh, supernatural. It's supernatural evil. Uh, we know that one-third of Satan's angels were released down here on earth, and uh, they're still here, uh, tempting and destroying whatever they can. And uh, the, really the biggest manifestation that I could think of that we really see in supernatural evil is today is uh, false gospels um, being presented to Christians. So I wanted to get that out of the way first, because every time we talk about trials and tests, somebody always wants to talk about um, evil and how that came about. But one of the most difficult parts of the Christian life is the fact that becoming a disciple of Christ does not make us immune to life's trials and tests. Why would a good and loving God allow us to go through such things as the death of a child, disease, and injury to ourselves or our loved ones, financial hardships, worry, fear, disappointment, disasters, and despair. Facing trials and tests as a Christian, why do, we, why do they come and how do we respond? What is a Christian to do? Scripture teaches us that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Yet when we encounter difficulties, we often wonder why. Searching for answers and learning to view bad things as good things in disguise are disciplines that God wants his children to develop as they mature spiritually. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. If any one of us were to go to uh, our co-workers and just ask them, how do you explain um, a situation where uh, there's a great test, a great trial in your life. Um, how do you get through it all? Because I know many times that I've, I've talked uh, to Linda and just said, honestly, if it wasn't for the grace of God, it would have been really difficult to get through this. And so if you ask uh, a natural man, somebody that is not, 
that somebody that is uh, unregenerated, uh, their only response can be, I don't know, I get angry. I, I just sweep it under the cover. I just go on with my life and just, you know, eventually it goes away. And honestly, there has to be continued unrest in their lives without getting those answers. God calls us, he transforms us from the inside out, and we respond to his grace as Christians. And when we respond to trials as God's grace working within our lives, it confirms our relationship with God as children, and it leads us into truth. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. As mature Christians and mature in our faith, God uses tests and trials to develop our character and our ministry. By responding to trials in the grace of God, we will experience God's Spirit manifesting, molding, and shaping us for His glory. Responding to trials in the humility of God's discipline in our lives, it will lead to fruit-bearing. Galatians 22:23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, all of this through trials and tests in our life, and self-control. And also in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So here are some examples of some trials that we may encounter, and a brief description of eight different types that I've listed here. Number one, a fiery trial. This is an intense encounter or struggles, bursts of anger, grief, or lust. Number two, infirmities, physical limitations or illnesses. Number three, reproaches, ridicule and rejection on account of faith or holiness. Number four, persecutions, harassment and depression due to religious convictions. Number five, this one is interesting, necessities, wear and care of daily responsibilities. That can actually be a trial and test for us. How do we manage our time? Are we still putting the Lord first in everything we do? Are we just losing control of ourselves? Distre distresses, disappointments and deep hurts, tribulations, unusual pressures and challenges, temptations, opportunities to yield to our sinful nature. Our response to all of these makes all the difference. The Apostle Paul regarded these tests as opportunities to grow spiritually. Instead of despairing when he encountered trials, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that he would glory in his infirmities so that the power of Christ would rest upon him. As we, like Paul, decide to trust God and accept the grace that he gives us, 
Christ's character will be formed in us. Look at this in Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now listen, I just want to say that some of the examples I'm using here, okay, in the Bible and talking about the trials that Paul went through, they're not exactly the trials that we go through today. We may not receive the severe persecution as the early Christians did. But I do want to say that I'm going to point out some of the methods, some of the uh, ways that we can get through our trials and tribulations. Because really, um, uh, it's, it's, it's the same thing as getting, as getting through it. We can use the same principles to get through it. Unless we accept God's grace to deal with sufferings and tests, inevitably we will become bitter. However, if you choose to trust God to bring about his purposes through the suffering, you will avoid the trap of bitterness and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it may be defiled. We can be confident that God will not allow anything to happen to us without his permission. And he will not let any bad thing happen that will not ultimately bring us more good than destruction. I know that's, you know, I know some of this stuff, it's a lot easier to preach it than it is to live it. I have lived some of the things though, and I can tell you that God is good, he's faithful. He will bring you through your trials and your tests. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Here it is. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This definitely requires a renewing of your mind. God sees something far greater than what we may see when we're going through a trial and a test. So now the question becomes, oh boy, I put in how can we take advantage of these tribulations? Honestly, uh, taking advantage is really a tough word to put in there. But how can we just grow in the Lord through these trials and tribulations? tests and trials in our lives to mature spiritually. The following responses are keys to enduring with God's grace. Number one, give thanks. Sometimes being thankful in a difficult situation, it is the hardest thing that we can do. Yet scripture is very clear about this response. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To be thankful rather than to complain actually takes a conscious act of the will and a sacrifice of natural desires. In Psalm 107.22, it speaks of this choice. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Wow, it's quiet in here this morning. <laughs> uh, seriously, um, I, I know, and those of you, I mean, as I look around, um, and I'm not going to look at anything, anybody specifically right now, but I do know um, I mean, there's three kinds of Christians, those that are going through a test right now, those that have just come out of one, those that are about to go into one. And uh, I think many times that we're going through a test or a trial in life, we don't even realize it. Our lives are so busy. We live in such a busy world. We don't even have time to figure out that, wait a minute, the thing we're going through is actually a trial and a test. What is God trying to show me? Is he trying to show me patience? Is he trying to give me character through this? He's looking to form us and make us more holy. And this is, he uses trials and tests to do that. Unfortunately, many may respond with murmuring or complaining when we face hardship of any kind, emotional, spiritual, mental, or physical. However, remember that through trials, it is God who works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. Here we see it in Philippians 2. 13 through 15. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Thanking God in all things does not mean that we thank God for evil. It means we are thanking God for the benefits he intends for us when he allows things to happen. Along with giving thanks, we're instructed to rejoice in all things. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do not let our circumstances determine our joy. Our joy is in the Lord. It's not in our circumstances. Thanking God is an act of the will, but rejoicing is a response of the Spirit. Therefore, it is possible to be sad and joyful at the same time. We cannot escape the pain of a difficult situation, but we can learn to rejoice in God himself and in the good things that God can do through our suffering. We should try to discern the positive benefits that could come about through the situation. We may ask a question such as, why did God allow this to happen? Tests and trials give us opportunities to know God better and to bring him glory. In Romans 8, 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul stated, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer 
sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When we experience a trial, choose by faith to put your trust in God. Wow. Put your trust in God. I'll tell you what, anyone, as you're going through a trial, there's no other choice. And the more severe the trial, the more that choice becomes narrower and narrower. I mean, trust is the only thing you really have left. You have to trust that the trial and the tribulation that you're going through and the test. It's God-ordained. You have to know that God is allowing it in your life for a reason. So trust is huge. We have to know that God's sovereign. This choice will cause you to be more objective and consequently more alert to the reasons why God may have allowed the trial to occur. As we deal with difficulties, difficulties, remember these truths. Gaining intimate knowledge of Christ exceeds the value of gaining more possessions. Developing stronger character is more important than getting your own way. Demonstrating self-control is more heroic than dominating your competitors. That's a big one right there because um, you may win the battle, but you're going to lose the war. In other words, as soon as you win that battle, a wall could go up between you and a person, one of your loved ones. So really, um, sometimes without compromising, you can actually lose that temporary battle, but come back on another day and win that war. Eternal treasures are more valuable than earthly riches. Believe and act on the word of God. When Jesus was tested in the wilderness, he responded to each temptation by quoting scripture. We can follow Jesus' example and successfully, let me say that again, successfully engage in spiritual warfare by proclaiming truth in the face of tests and temptations. So spiritual warfare is proclaiming the truth of God's word. This is your spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6.17, it describes the word of God as the sword of the spirit. Interestingly enough, it is the only offensive weapon in our spiritual armor. The word of God is also the authority by which we can claim the promises of God as you read and meditate on the truth of God's word, which is living and active. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. By activating this scripture, we learn to effectively deal with trials, tests, and temptations in our life. Remember, God allows trials and tests in our lives where we must make a choice between right and wrong. However, temptations 
are from the enemy of our soul. James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Cry out to God. This is my fourth point. Probably the greatest reason God has for taking us through the trials of life is to bring us to the firm conclusion that we need him. He desires to work powerfully through our lives. Therefore, we must learn to depend on him. He must become our source of strength, provision, protection, and direction. God has the ability to protect us from every trial or distress. Instead, he often chooses to deliver us in the midst of trials. In Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. God's goal through our trials is to strengthen our dependence on him. We must trust him to work in his ways and in his time frame that will produce the most good in our lives and the most glory for his name. As we call on the Lord in our distress, he will deliver us. Overcome evil with good. In Matthew 5, 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here we see Jesus gave his disciples a clear set of instructions about responding to those who made life miserable for them. So here we're talking about a different kind of trial. These directions are most likely opposite to what we would naturally do. Love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. These are, in Romans 12, 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If we react to a person who offends us and become bitter towards them, we actually put ourselves in an emotional prison. Bitterness will control your thought life, your emotions, and eventually your health. And in order to be freed from this prison, we must repent, we must forgive. Hmm. Scripture provides many examples for those who forgave offenders some of which include Job, Stephen, and Christ himself. Job 42.10 says the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, cried out to God in Acts 7.59 and 60, and they went on stoning Stephen, as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. And Jesus himself, being on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There are many rewards for responding with grace to the trials and tests in our lives among them, I'd like to name a few. 
Number one, they make you more obedient. In Psalm 1967, David wrote, um, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And in Psalm 119.71, David also wrote, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And really that was point number two that I wanted to make when it said it will deepen, our trials and tribulations will deepen your insight into God's word. And there David is saying, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Trials and tests will increase your compassion and effectiveness in ministry. We all have ministries. So those trials and tests will give us more compassion, more humility, and make us far more effective. It'll teach you to wait patiently on God. It'll make your joy less dependent on circumstances. Our joy is in our God, not on our circumstances. And it'll make you appreciate God all the more when he restores you. In James 1, 12, it says this, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Don't we all want to achieve that crown of life from the Lord? That's a powerful scripture right there. God has assured us that he will not permit us to be attacked with trials, tests, or temptations that are too overwhelming for us to handle. He will grant us grace to get through it and overcome through it. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. But the temptation will provide but through the temptation will provide a way of escape. Escape. And what are we talking about there? When we say escape, does it mean that we're just going to be able to escape from the temptation or the trial or test? No. But the way of escape is going to be by us becoming more patient, by us becoming more humble, eliminating the pride in our lives. That's our way of escape, by us putting our joy on the Lord instead of our circumstances. That's the way of escape this verse is talking about. We must be careful never to make excuses for our trials and tribulations if they are a result of our own wrongdoing. 
God will forgive our sins because the eternal punishment for them has been paid by Christ on the cross. However, we still suffer natural consequences in this life for our sins and bad choices. God uses these sufferings to mold and shape us for his purposes and our ultimate good. Trials and tribulations come with both purpose and reward. And how we respond makes all the difference. Take solace in knowing that sorrowful times, even periods of feeling God has withdrawn his presence, are an integral part of your spiritual experience. If we just got our answers, think of it as children, if they just got answers immediately from their, from their parents, okay, as to how to solve every single problem, I mean, how would they ever grow up? Sometimes we just need to just have that quiet time. And through our trials and tribulations, that's why God is silent. God hasn't utterly abandoned you, though you feel like he has. Many believers have gone successfully ahead of us, and they've gotten through their journey, and it's built character and patience and more dependence on God in their lives. As one of God's children, you are promised his presence. Though for now you feel alone and without help, rest in knowing God your Father has good reasons for bringing you into your trial. He is committed to making you holy, even if it means taking away your happiness for a time. Some of us are going through trials and tribulations. I, I, I just know it. I mean, I, I am. I am. As I look around, I know that you are. This is a message that's been burning inside my heart for quite some time. Because when I first was becoming an early Christian, I used to just think, well, now that I'm a Christian, I'm free of all these trials and tests and temptations in my life, but not so. God wants to use us for a lost and world that's really ugly. How can he do that? Unless he first molds us and makes us into what he wants us to be. So he uses these trials and tests, temptations, tribulations to do it. I hope you got something out of the word this morning.